Everybody that uh, worked in any capacity during the week of increase meeting, uh, would you please stand? Uh, everybody that worked uh, on all of the teams, and look at this, look at this. <coughs> Praise God. Uh, outstanding job, guys. Outstanding job. Um, I, I believe you have represented the Lord well, and you've represented the church and all of us well. And uh, it's obvious that you're doing what you're doing as unto the Lord. The excellence is there, and it's mattering. People, uh, everybody's just uh, feel like they're being treated so wonderfully when they come to these meetings, and and um, these seeds will last past this lifetime, I believe. We love you. Outstanding job. Y'all can be seated. <clears throat> Just uh, the ministry that you see in the front of the church is just one part of the ministry that's happening. Is that right? All over uh, throughout the family. Um, uh, Brother Dave didn't know, but uh, what he shared in the offering is a whole lot what I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, turn with me to John 15. Don't tell him we don't want his head to, to <coughs> swell up. Oh, there he is. Okay. <coughs> no, Brother Dave and Miss Kim's a blessing, aren't they? They are. They are. <coughs> they are gifts to this family. Hallelujah. Gifts to Phyllis and I, and gifts to you. Um, just work nonstop, hallelujah, and just glad to be here. Uh, in seeking the Lord about this morning, uh, I was impressed specific, specifically along this line, and it's not part of our series, but uh, it, it connects with the week, the week of increase, and it connects with our great offering. And I just uh, I knew in my heart uh, that we, we need to be more aware of what has just happened and what is going on and then what will happen next now. Um, these, uh, these offerings are very important. Now, I realize that we live in a money-hungry world uh, and uh, and. Sadly, there's a lot of Christians and a lot of preachers that do underhanded things and uh, twist scriptures to try to manipulate, and, but that's true in every profession, right? You may have good people and you got folks that's not so good, uh, but uh, we, we need to have uh, discernment. We got the Bible, we got the Holy Spirit, he'll help us to know what's good and legitimate yes. and what's not yes. and he's not the spirit of God is not going to lead you to invest into something that's going to be a waste right. and a sham right, right? right. so uh, if you put your money in something and it wasn't right well you want to come back and see why didn't I pray yeah. no boy <laughs> why, why didn't I listen you know because he, he already knew that but um the, that doesn't do away with the real. Doesn't do away with the truth of the scriptures. And um, it's one of the most wonderful things when it's right. Did you know that in the very beginning of the Old Testament, the first murder occurred over an offering? Is that right? And in the beginning of the history of the church, church is barely started, and the first judgment that fell on the church with Ananias and Sapphira, was over an offering. Is that right? I see a whole lot of people try to, you know, they think, well, I, I just, I, I wish they'd just shut up about all these things and, and maybe they just put a little box at the back of the door and never say anything about it. Well, that's not how God wants it to be. He has chosen that these things be front and center. And we're going to talk about why uh, today. Are you interested? Yes. We're going to talk about why. And uh, like I said, there is a lot of junk, and there are a lot of bad things, but don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
Right? Let, let's distinguish. Let's separate what's bad and what's good. And uh, hold fast to the good. Is that right? <coughs> uh, prove all things, the scripture said. Test all things, prove all things, and then hold fast that which is good. Go to John, please, 15th chapter, and let's release faith for the rest of the service. John 15 we're going to. Father, all of us agree together, Sarasota and here and everybody online, we agree together as touching this thing, asking you for utterance, for grace, for the anointing, for the manifest, manifesting and moving of your Holy Spirit and your, your holy angels. And we ask for all of us that, that we might have eyes that can see and ears that can hear and hearts and minds to receive. And we believe we receive it and we thank you for it. Help us to see uh, the truth that makes free. Help us to see what's you and what's not you. What's right and what's not right. And help us to receive, Lord, and understand what you hold dear. What you hold precious and important and valuable that we may hold it the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You believe that? If you if you hooked with that, say amen. That means amen. so be it, so be it. In John 15 and 16, you know I'm I'm, I'm really really pleased to be right here at this moment. Are you? I don't don't know anywhere else I'd rather be doing anything else that I'd rather be doing. How about you? You is it good to be in church, be in fellowship with each other? Be in fellowship with His Holy Spirit. I mean, it just, uh, it's a taste of heaven. Glory to God. And you know, we, uh, I guess, I reckon we should get used to it because right later on, we're going to spend a whole lot of time together, I suppose, <laughs> doing these kind of things. So, uh, things of God. John 15, 16, Jesus said, you have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. He, he chose us. And the purpose is that there might be fruit, godly results, righteous uh, harvests and results that remain. In the 19th verse, he repeats the thought. He said, if you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So he, why would he say it like this in verse 16? You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. The reason he'd say that is because you might assume you chose him. That's why he would say it that way. I know some years ago, <clears throat> I was uh, thanking the Lord that uh, Phyllis and I had chosen him and chosen to follow him, even when we were young. And uh, I was just thanking him for that. And he interrupted me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. He said, no, I chose you first. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so I, I just kind of sat back in my chair and got to thinking about it. And uh, because my mentality is, well, you know, we, we made the decision to leave home and, and to go out to Oklahoma and go to school and, and uh you know, there were times earlier in our lives that we had ideas about different professions than being in the ministry, and we chose to forget that and leave that. And the Lord said, oh, no, that was after I chose you and brought you to it many times. And I began, I began to back up, and I said, well, you know, yeah, amen. Well, at least I... I gave my heart and life to you. He said, after I brought you to the saving knowledge of, uh, of the gospel repeatedly, you didn't receive it the first time or the third. 
I chose you. And I, I brought it to you. You know, you got to back up uh, to him creating the planet. You, you couldn't have made a choice if there was no planet to live on. And for you existing, you couldn't have made a choice to serve him if you didn't exist first. He really has chosen us first. Uh, we love him because he first loved us. And, and uh, to those that are called according to his purpose, Romans says, all things work together for the good. Now, a lot of folks misquote that verse. And they'll say, well, you know, the, the Bible says everything works out for the good. No, it does not. No, it does not. Everything is not working out for the best for everybody on this planet. Not by a long shot. He's talking about a specific group of people that love God. If you love God and you're giving him the, you know, the lordship in your life, he knew you before you were born. And he knew that you would love him and that you would choose to follow him. And so knowing the end from the beginning and his great power in the earth and in your life, he is able, no matter what the enemy does, to make everything work out. Hallelujah. <coughs> not forever. This is not happening for everybody. But read the verse, to them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. To those folks, it's working out together for the good. Now, uh, notice with me in uh, Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Hebrews 6. I'm enjoying this message already. We talked about tasting life. Tasting the good word of God to come and the powers of the world to come. Well, we're tasting some good things right now. <laughs> Ephesians 6 and 10. He said, For God, I said Ephesians, Hebrews, Hebrews 6 and 10. It says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work. And labor of love which you have showed toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God will not forget. The NIRV says God is fair. He will not forget what you have done. <laughs> Come on somebody said out loud God is fair. He will not forget what you have done. He will not forget what you have done. He will remember the love you have shown him. You showed it when you helped his people. Oh, hallelujah. God will never forget what you do for him. How did you do something for him? You did it. For his people. And he takes it personally. That you did it for him. When you did it for his people. Anybody got children in here? You love your children? If I wanted to. Uh, get on your good graces. Would it be better for me to do something wonderful for you. Or for your kids? <laughs> huh? <laughs> or if I try to say. Now I like you. But you know I kicked your kid when they were down. That's not going to work out now is it? No I mean. It, it mean more to you. That I did something for your child. Than if I did it for you. Well. It's because you have something of the father's love. In you for your children. That's the way he is. And the Bible says if you. If you love God. You love his children. And it didn't say you had to approve of everything they say and do, but you can love them right. in spite of those. And so uh, anything you do for him by doing things for his, he is never going to forget. 
he will not forget what you have done. He will remember the love you have shown him. You showed it when you helped his people. And you show it when you keep on helping them. Glory to God. Now, uh, go with me over to 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. And there are two uh, accounts that I want us to look at that are just full of light and revelation about this subject. That God does not forget when you do something for his people. And... uh, a number of people have uh, really stepped out and, and made some sacrifices even and, and sown some significant seeds this week as, as our custom is during this time of year. And I want you to know, God's not going to forget that. If, if you're serious and your heart was in it, uh, God's not going to forget that. In, uh, and, and I want to go through some of the things you can expect now to happen. Because God doesn't forget. Both uh, tomorrow and next week. And even if the Lord tarries is coming. Even 10 years from now. 20 years from now. And longer. In 1 Kings the 17th chapter. And the 9th verse. We're going to read uh, several verses. First Kings 17.9 There is a drought and a famine throughout the land. And uh, the man of God, Elijah, uh, the Lord had sent him to a brook and had uh, ravens fly in uh, fresh food every morning and every evening. I want you to to notice, he is meeting his needs without human beings. In this first instance, there are no people involved. I often wondered where they got the food. There's a famine on. Food is like gold. But when you're a raven... They saw the food. Maybe the biscuit was cooling in the windowsill. (laughs) Biscuit for each foot. And somebody's yelling and hollering, but he's gone. Biscuits in hand. (laughs) Bread and, and, and meat in the morning and in the evening. But then after a while, the brook dried up. The drought's just getting worse and worse. And also the famine. And so the Lord said to, to Elijah, Get to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now I don't know how aware she is it she is of this at this particular moment, but it's in her heart whether she realizes it or not. And in verse 10, so he arose, went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Well, that's like asking for money. It's a drought. And verse 11, as she was going to fetch it, so she didn't argue. She went to get some. He said, would you bring me, I pray, a morsel of bread in your hand? Well, now, that's like like asking for gold. There's a famine. And verse 12, and she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have not a cake, (coughs) excuse me, but a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She's got barely enough for a small one last meal for her and her son, her boy. Last meal. And verse 13, Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as you have said, 
but make me thereof a little cake first. <laughs> and bring it to me. And after make for you and for your son. Keep reading. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. Hallelujah. The barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Mm-mm. Now, now let's just stop right here. Uh, because of the, the enemy's influence and ignorance, uh, the church has become a beggar. And many ministers and ministries have become beggars. And we're not judging. You know, if you don't see it, you don't see it. We've all made mistakes. But because of that, the world, the ungodly world, has looked down on and despised. Churches, ministers, ministries, preachers. And there's a lot of folks in the world think that, uh, uh, you know, preachers are some of the lowest, uh, low-life scum there is on the planet. You know, just skilled at manipulating uh, widows' last few dollars so that they can live lavish lifestyles. And if that were true, that is an evil thing and a bad thing. And it's being a liar and a thief. But is that what's happening here? I want you to understand, Elijah did not come here looking for support. He did not come here to see if somebody would support him and give him some money or some food. The Lord sent him here. To this woman. Is that right? And this is the thing that needs to be turned around. Those that represent the Lord. Should stop immediately. Begging. Stop immediately. Because. If God is. Who this book says he is. Is that right? And he certainly is. Then you can say with the psalmist of old, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never seen his seed begging for wine. Don't have to. We don't have to beg. And we should not uh, pull on folks to give. And we should minister no condemnation if you don't. Because the truth is, it is a privilege and a kingdom eternal opportunity to get to give to that which is truly God's. Now there's a lot of phony stuff around that's not real. And you need to just trust what the Spirit of God shows you. And don't waste your seed and don't invest in things that's not real and not right. But it doesn't do away with the real. And Elijah's not there trying to see if he can find somebody that will help keep him from starving to death. All of his needs were met out there by the creek with nobody involved. Come on, can you see that? (laughs) Could God have continued to do that? Well, then why did he tell him to leave there and go here? <clears throat> Listen to, just keep your place right here. Listen to Luke 4, 24. Don't turn there. You, you stay in 1 Kings. Luke 4, 24, Jesus said, Verily I say to you, no prophet's accepted in his own country. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. He's talking about what we're reading about. But unto none of them 
was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Zidon, to a woman that was a widow. There were a lot of widows and their kids hurting throughout the whole country during this drought and this famine. Many, Jesus said. But when this woman is, is looking at this man of God, pausing, deciding, do I take food that's our last meal and give it to this man? When she's deciding whether to do that or not, she has no idea how privileged she is above every widow in the nation that God sent this man to them. Come on, can you see this, friend? It probably don't seem that way to her at the time, but she's the one being favored. She's the one who's given an opportunity of a lifetime to save the life of her and her boy. God could have done it without her. I said the Lord could have done it without her. He could have done it 10,000 different ways than this. But why send him to her when there are many hurting widows all through the country? Why send him to her? We know why. She goes straight and does it. That's why he knew her heart. Why? Because she didn't even know this man. Why'd she do it? She believes the word of God in his mouth. Which means she believes God. And she's not just honoring this man. She's honoring the God. He represents the God who sent him there. The God who spoke those words through his mouth. And the Lord said, if you honor me, I'm going to honor you. Hallelujah. He knew that was in her heart, which is why he sent him there to start with. What did the Lord say? You didn't choose me. I chose you. Is that right? <laughs> we, we, we've helped them out so much. They've helped you out so much. <laughs> you, had to, you had the privilege and opportunity. Come, come on back to 1 Kings 17. <clears throat> Verse 15. He said, make me a little cake first. Now, this is something we really need to get a hold of. Elijah is not pulling on her because of personal need. He knows how to believe God. Is that right? He, he's been sustained for months out here, right? With, with no human beings involved. Does a man have faith for miracles? Well, you know he does. Calling fire down out of the sky. I mean, he knows his God and his God who can provide for him. And he's there on assignment. He's there because God sent him there. And, And that's one of the ways you can discern what is really God and what is really not. Is that people are not pulling on you. This is a situation that God has set up. So she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And what happened? And she and he and her house did eat many days. Provision, provision. I mean in the midst of one of the worst times the country had experienced. Drought and famine, people starving to death right and left. And here they are eating day after day after day. Now keep reading. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Just keep reading. It came to pass after these things, the son 
of the woman. The mistress of the house fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, old man of God? Are you come uh, to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? He said to her, give me your son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, have you brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? Let's just stop right here. What does the Bible say about the Lord and those who have done good things for his people? He will not forget. Is that right? He will not forget. And uh, he, he cried and stretched himself upon the child three times, cried to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, I got, uh, my God, I pray let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came into him again. That means the child was dead. His spirit and soul has gone from the body. The boy is dead. His body's dead. And his soul came again and he revived. Oh, hallelujah. 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 She didn't know when she was standing there with her little sticks deciding whether she's going to sow this part of this meal. She didn't know that God is endeavoring to set her up so that her and her boy don't starve to death during this famine and that he doesn't die young and miss out on his life, that he gets raised from the dead. Now, she didn't buy this. You can't buy these things with offerings. This is not about buying anything. This is about tithing is like this. So many people throughout the body of Christ don't tithe. Most of the church does not tithe. And uh, a lot of times when folks talk about tithing, It's just uncomfortable and tense. And so probably most churches don't ever bring it up. And one reason they don't is because a lot of preachers don't tithe. And churches don't tithe. And usually you'll hear people say, well, that's just under the Old Testament. And and that's just this. And that's just legalism. And and God don't care about all those things. But we, uh, if you're really serious about it, we, we have a, a series out there called Tithing Today, in which we go through and show that tithing was before the law and after the law. But what tithing is about is not about obligation. It's a, anybody remember the passage of tithing? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith. If I'll not open the windows of heaven... And pour you out a blessing that you'll not have room to receive it. And he went on to say he'd rebuke the devourer for your sake. Tithing is not about God needing something. Tithing is about God getting access to your finances. That's what it's about. The Lord said in the Psalms. Psalm 50 and verse 10. You can just, uh, you can stay where you are. Psalm 50 and verse 10. The Lord said, every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills, he's saying, is mine. Verse 11, I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. (coughs) What's he saying? It's all mine. Verse 12, if I were hungry, if I needed something, I would not tell you. Do you see this? God, if he wanted something and needed something, he he does not need us to get it. Did he he even need any people for Elijah's needs to be met? He uses, that's what he's talking about. He used his creation. And yet... It is his plan and will to use us. Is that right? He said give. 
and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men. Is that right? Men given to your bosom, which means God is planned. It's coming from him, but it's coming through a man. And why? It's as much for them as it is for you. Right? Because they're going to need something. And them obeying and being used of God is going to give God the right to get into their affairs later on. He said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. The world is mine. The fullness thereof. (coughs) Right? No. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You're not just the only one doing somebody a favor here. I'm doing you a favor by letting you give on this. Come on, can you see this? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody say glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. And that's what tithing is. Tithing is about two huge things. One is honoring God, acknowledging he's my source. I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have health. I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for him. And so you, you take the, the tenth and minister it back to him, acknowledging that he's your source. But beyond that, it's about access. He said, I'm going to open windows, hallelujah, of heaven. It's about him having access into my affairs and rebuking the devourer from stealing from me and pouring out abundance in my life. Have to tithe? Get to tithe. Hmm? If you don't, you're missing out. The, the, the work of God will be taken care of with or without you. I mean, if God has to get a bird to fly it in. Is that right? If he has to get a little dog to bring it in the paper sack. He can do it. Can he do it? He can, he's proven he can do it. He can do it any number of ways. But if the puppy brings it, that's not going to help you. If he had to get the dog to bring it, because you wouldn't obey, when Pooch is going to be blessed, but <laughs> you're going to come up short somewhere down the line where you, you, you needed something, but you missed out on your, your opportunity. Go back with me over to Kings again, and let's look further. In Second Kings, the fourth chapter. Y'all got time for this this morning? Like we said, there have been a lot of folks that have twisted scriptures, manipulated things, abused the holy offerings of the Lord. We know that. We know that. But that doesn't do away with the real. Right? And you got the Holy Spirit. You got the Bible. You can discern. The Lord will help you. To discern between the good and, and not good. The real and the not real. But oh you want to be aware. When God deals with you. And this is him and this is right. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Because he's not just trying to bless somebody through you. He's trying to bless you. In Second Kings. The fourth chapter. And the eighth verse. We had read about Elijah. <clears throat> now we're reading about his successor, Elisha. It fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. Now this means not just that she was a great person, <coughs> but that she was wealthy. She had some money. She had some stuff is what this means. And she constrained him to eat bread. Now let's just stop here. Why? Why? Well, it it tells later, she told her husband that she perceived he's a man of God. And so she asked him to eat at their house when he came into town. And apparently they had a nice house 
and uh, had money for food and those kind of things. And she constrained him. This is a strong word. She didn't just say you could come over and eat sometime if you want to. She was, please, please, can you come today? Can you come? Let, let us come over. Let us feed you. We've got some good cooks. Come on over. And so she, she was persistent and, and constrained him to come eat. And so it was. Uh, it must have been pretty good food because uh, as often as he came, <coughs> he turned in there to eat bread. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't just about the cooking. Did you know the Holy Spirit manifests where he is appreciated? The scripture warns us, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. How would you grieve him? By doing despite unto the Spirit of grace. Disrespect. Dishonor. And so, obviously, you can see it from the rest of the passage, they respected him. And he is treated well there and favored. In verse 9, she said to her husband, behold now, we don't talk like that. We'd say, look at this. I perceive this is a holy man of God. Now, let's just stop right here. He must not have got mad and cussed and pitched temper fits. He must not have been shifty and money hungry. Come on, can you see this? He lived in such a way and was uh, such a way that they, she especially perceived he's a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. And he's through here on a regular basis. Verse 10, let, let us make a little chamber, I pray you. Now, that might not sound too big in the King James. She's talking about a bedroom. Yeah. On the wall, which means that's the outside of the house. So we're going to build onto the house. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. She's talking about building on the house. Right. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. We're not building on the house then costs money. Just like building on the house now costs money. Yeah. Right? And, and here's where <coughs> a lot of people talk. But when you start getting in your pocket, come on, are you listening? When you start paying out and doing it on a regular basis and spending substantial amounts of money for the things of God, you are not all talk. It means something to you. Is that right? When you're just talk, but if it's going to cost you a little something, everything shuts down and you're going to wait and wait and 10 years later you're still waiting and seeing, it's because it's not a priority in your life. It's just not important enough to you. If you want to know what's important to you, go get your check registers. <clears throat> Look at your spending over the past year or two or three. That's your priorities. You might want to imagine that there's something else, but that's what they are. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It's the truth, which is why tithing, giving is such a big deal. And it's why the devil fights it so hard, because he knows it's not just a money deal. It's a heart deal. It's about putting God first. It's a very, very big deal. Like we said, first murder in history occurred over it. And, and first judgment in the church occurred over it. Very big deals. So she says, let's build on to the house. Let's buy some new furniture. Let's set him up a nice place here. And it'll be when he comes to us, he can stay there. And verse 11. And it fell on a day that he came there and he turned into the chamber and lay there. So he did use it. They built it. Somebody say they spent the money. Now, what do they think they're getting out of this? See, they don't, they don't have any guarantee of anything that they're, that they're aware of. And that's not what she's thinking about. And they're not, obviously not wanting to bug him all the time. They want him to be able to rest. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
So it's not so they can drill him with a thousand questions every time he comes. They want him to come rest. Got him a nice place there. So he came and uh, he turned into the chamber, the bedroom, and he lay there. Uh, it's on the outside of the house, so I guess he could come and go through his own entrance or whatever. It's a, it's a blessing. He said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite, the woman. And when he had called her, she came and stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for you? What is to be done for you? You remember in the scriptures that the Bible said concerning Cornelius that he was somebody who was giving to the, uh, to the people of God and, and praying all the time and an angel came. You remember that? And showed up at his house and said your prayers and your alms have come up before God as a memorial. Praise the, Lord. the Lord allows what is done with a right heart for his people to come up before him and stay before him and it talks to him. Giving and praying and things and sacrifices to help other people, it stays before him. Why? He wants it to stay before him. And what's it saying to him? What is to be done for them? Something must be done for them. Can you see this or not? Something must be done for them. God is not unrighteous to forget. He will not forget. When you have done anything, if you give someone a cup of cold water because they belong to him, Jesus said there is no way you'll not get a reward. There's no way you'll lose that reward. Why? Because God won't forget. He will remember. And it'll come up before him and he will say to one of the angels or he'll say to this one, what's to be done for them? Something must be done for them. Not that he has to try to figure it out. He already knows. But it, say, it, it comes up before him and says this. So he says, tell her to come in here. So he's been doing this for some time. And so he's laying, he's laying in there getting quiet and resting. And why did he do this? He's a, he's a man of God. The Spirit of God quickened him about this woman. And the Lord wants something done for her. She's not asking. The Lord says. So he calls her in and he says, what do you need? You've blessed us and helped us like this. What do you need? You want us to speak to the king for you? Wow. Or to the captain of the host? She said, no, no, I'm happy. I dwell among my own people here. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. I'm, I'm good. Verse 14. Now let's, let's just stop right here. Can you see right hearts? She's not throwing money at something, trying to get something from him. He's not there begging and pulling because they got money trying to get something from them. Come on, can you see this? Neither one of these things are happening. So he went on to say, well, what's to be done for? Can you see the Lord is not going to release him from this? She says she's fine, but the Lord didn't say it was okay. He said, what's to be done? Gehazi said, well... Uh, I, I've heard some of their conversations and, and they don't have a child and her husband's old now and I'm sure when he said that it quickened inside the man of God he said that's it that's it verse 15 he said call her back in here call her and he called her she stood in the door and he said about this season according to the time of life in other words about nine months from now you're going to embrace a son and she said, no, no, my Lord, no, man of God, don't play with me, don't. This is the great desire of her heart. She didn't know when they were deciding to spend that money to build that room, 
that this is what God had in mind. She said, no, don't, 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 don't play with me about, about that now. Don't lie to me. Verse 17, and the woman conceived and bare a son. At the season, Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. She did do something for the man of God. But what was God really doing? He's doing something for her. Yes. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. He's doing something for her. Oh my. Oh my. Somebody say the great desire. The great desire. <laughs> the great desire. Of your heart. Well if you skip on down. <coughs> verse, go to the next verse with me please. When the child was grown. It fell on the day that he went out to the, his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. He said to the lad, carry him to his mother. He taken him and brought him to his mother. And he sat her on her knees till noon. And he died. He died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. She put him in that bedroom they built. For the man of God. And she shut the door and went out. And she called her husband and said, send me, I pray, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. He said, why will you go to him today? It's not a new moon. It's not a Sabbath. She said, it'll be well. She saddled an ass and said to the driver, put the foot to it. (coughs) Drive. Pedal down and go forward. Slack not your riding for me unless you hear me hollering back here. She went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it came to pass when the man of God saw her far off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder's that Shunammite. Run now, I pray you, and meet her, and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It's well. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Why? Because she's heading to the man of God. She's trusting God. Yes. God's going to give him the answer, and yes. it's going to be fine. Yes. Now, if she didn't believe something could happen, she wouldn't be here. Can you see this? Now, keep going. Uh, She came to the man of God, caught him by the feet. Gehazi came near to thrust her away. Man of God said, leave her alone. Her soul's vexed within her, and the Lord's hid it from me and has not told me. Just because you're a man or woman of God doesn't mean you know everything. You only know what the Lord had shows you. Right? Keep going. She said, did I, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I ask you for a child? Didn't I say, don't deceive me? He said to Gehazi, gird up your loins, take your staff in your hand, go your way. If you meet any man, don't, don't greet him, don't salute him. Uh, don't answer again. Lay my staff upon the face of the child. Keep going. Just, the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. He arose and followed her. He passed on before him, laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was no voice nor hearing. He went again to meet him and told her that the child's not awake. And when Elisha was coming to the house, the child was dead, laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon him, uh, them too, and prayed to the Lord. He went up and laid upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands, stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned, walked in the house to and fro, went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. Glory to God. (laughs) And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was come in unto him, he said, take up your son. Then she went in and fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. When the man of God came to her town that first day and she heard and saw and and something stirred in her and she said, this man's the real deal. This is a real man of God. And uh, then she she said, "Come, come eat with us, come eat with us. She didn't know why that was in her heart. Yes, God wants to use her to be a blessing to the man of God. Help him out. Oh, but he could use 
a lot of other folks. Is that right? He, the Lord knows in from the beginning. And this woman has a good heart. And her husband too, I'm, I'm, I imagine they, good hearts. And he wants, the Lord wants a way into their life to do things for them that don't happen for most people on the planet. Knowing they were willing to do things for his people that most people on the planet will not do. Come on, can you see this? And so, them acting on this and honoring God gave him the right to honor them and gives her the desire of her heart. And then in the, one of the darkest hours of her life and need of her family, God was there. Hallelujah. And gave them a miracle. And it didn't end there. Skip over to the 8th chapter. That's not where the story ends. It'd be wonderful if it ended there. Second Kings 8 and 1. 8, 1. Then spake Elisha to the woman whose son he had restored to life. And he said, Arise and go you and your household and sojourn wherever so you can sojourn. For the Lord has called for a famine and it will come upon the land seven years. Verse 2. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. Now boy you see, you see powerful things on both sides of this. Number one. She and her family are getting revelation of the future. Through this ministry. That very, very, very few people <laughs> Anywhere around are getting. And she trusted enough. They pack up everything. Lock, stock and barrel. And move to another country. For years. But in doing so. They completely missed. The financial collapse. Oh is anybody listening? They completely missed. A famine. Seven years. People were suffering and they were fine. Boy, that little room on the house is looking like a better deal. Is that right? All the time. <laughs> and see, if everybody understood this, when the man of God came to the gate of the city... There'd have been 10,000 people lined up and said, come eat with me, come eat with me. Is that right? We'll build you, we'll build you two bedroom. We'll build you three bedroom. We'll build you a whole house for yourself. But the Lord's not going to show you that. You're not going to know any of this beforehand because then you'd be doing it with the wrong motive. You'd be trying to buy something. Come on, can you see this? Oh my. What we're seeing now is what's happening on the whole planet. It's why things are the way they are. So that only those who really have it in their heart are choosing to believe in the master right now. And do things for him. Aren't you glad? <coughs> Aren't you thankful? That you're one of those. Anyway, they leave. And verse 3, keep reading. It came to pass that to seven years in, <clears throat> the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines. And she went forth to cry to the king for her house and her land. She was a, a great woman, a wealthy woman. And there's been a collapse these seven years they've been gone. And they left their Home and left their lands. How many understand a lot of people would never have done that? They would have never left their house. They would have never left their lands. But she did it in faith because the Lord said to. Is that right? She trusted the word of the Lord that came through. And that's why the Lord told her those things when a lot of other people didn't hear it. 
There's a whole lot of things the Lord doesn't say to people. Because he knows they wouldn't listen to it anyway. No need to tell them. I don't want to be like that, do you? So she came back. Now, and they've missed the famine. They've been all right. But now, who knows what has happened in all the upheaval. Maybe somebody's claimed her land and her houses. And they've been gone for seven years. So she goes back to the king to make petition. And verse, uh, was that verse 3? Back up to verse 3. And she came to the king to cry out for her house and her land. And verse 4, just so happened when she walked up (coughs) to see if she could see the king about getting her house and her land back, that Gehazi was telling the story to the king about the Shunammite woman. Talk about time. Is that right? The king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. And the king, he got up that morning with on his mind, he wants to hear of the exploits that God has done through uh, uh, Elisha. He just wanted to hear some of those again. And so they call for Gehazi and he says, tell me about the great things that Elisha has done. And it came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life that behold the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. She comes in at that exact moment and Gehazi says my lord O king this is the woman. This is the woman right here and it was her son that Elisha restored to life. And verse 6. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, that's right, that's right. So the king appointed to her an officer and said, restore all that was hers and and all the fruits of the field since the day she left the land, even until now. Oh. This little room on the side of the house is looking like the best investment. It is the best investment they have ever made in their life. The great desire of her and her husband's heart, a child. Hallelujah. The child died. The dark hour of their need, God was there. Raised the child from the dead. Economic collapse happening all around and God just pulls them out, sets them over here for seven years. They're not even touched by it. It would seem like, oh man, you lost everything you got. Just as they show up, he's got it choreographed so they didn't lose a thing. Not only do they keep all their stuff, all the money from the crops and everything from the past seven years is restored to them. This is what God has in mind when he gives us an opportunity to be a part of his real works and his real ministries. Come on, can you see this? Yes, God would make us a blessing to them and it's wonderful to be that. But really, he's trying to bless you. Hallelujah. Yeah, you think, well, I I chose to do it. Yeah, you did and that's good. But he chose you first. Oh, come on, can you see that? He chose you first. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. The Lord said it as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. You did it to me. Glory to God. He said, them that honor me, I will honor. Stand on your feet, everybody. I think we should lift our hands and thank God for the opportunities that He has given us already. I I mentioned this past week, back when Phyllis and I were helping the Hagans traveling, 
We were a little tired one time, and <clears throat> we're over in Sacramento, California. And we all came in a little, a little worse for wear. We were feeling like maybe we were even neglecting some of our stuff and and trying to be there for them and spending money and and um, felt like we were, you know, making a few sacrifices to help them. And when we walked in, the pastors that were there, great people, wise people. He looked at us, he said, you guys are so blessed to get to help these, uh, the, the, these giants in the faith. He said, y'all are so, and, and, and I'm nodding my head agreeing, but realizing I didn't feel exactly that way. So strong, and I realized I need to make an adjustment. And I did, and as now both of them are in heaven now, have been for years, but as our ministry has unfolded, we've experienced miracles. These churches, the uh, Word Production Center, I mean, thing after thing after thing after thing, and the further we go, we realize the Lord gave us an opportunity to sow into some of His very best. I mean, some of His best. Oh, come on, can you see this? And, and, and I hope we were a blessing and a help to them. But really, the blessing is ours. Is that right? We're reaping off of it hand over fist every day of our lives. So let's lift up our hands and thank God. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given us. Life is so short. Time is so precious. And real men of God, real women of God, real churches of God, real ministries of God are not everywhere. And you have given us opportunity. You've connected us and joined us with some of your best. Oh, hallelujah. And it's not just so we can help them. You had us in mind all the time. You had us in mind all the time to give us the desires of our heart. To protect us in our hour of need. To protect us when others are being consumed. And even to restore to us all that could have been lost. Come on, worship him, saints. Lord, we worship you for this. We thank you for this. We give you glory for this. We honor you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's sing thanks. Thanks, I give you.